Welcome to the Limitless Level Podcast. My name is Brendan Kearney, and each week I'll bring you insights, tips, and strategies on developing your mindset, fitness performance, and your well-being. It is my mission to empower others to step into their potential and own their lives. I believe self-awareness is the key to self-mastery, and when you master yourself, you can master any area of your life. All right, good morning. It is Friday here, and I am back in the studio slash room, and I am going to be interviewing a man by the name of Jared Lee. Um, Actually, to kick off, how did I meet Jared? Well, I actually came across him on uh, social media after I watched him uh, with local news footage. Uh, He was doing some things with uh, dipping in the water, and we live in Canada. It's very cold. It's the middle of February, and this is something he does on a regular basis, and so I, the uh, news reporters want to uh, catch up on him and see what is going on, and he shared quite a bit of interesting things about why he does it, and it was pretty awesome, and I thought, this guy is right up my alley doing some great things. So I'd like to have him on this show, and uh, actually, here he is now. So just to sh- to uh, sum him up, uh, he grew up in the small town of Smith Falls, uh, which is about population around 17,000, 18,000 people. And so he spent a lot of time traveling over the last 10 or 15 years or so. He's been to... Uh, Lots of North America, mainly in BC, Alberta. Uh, He's traveled many different countries, uh, like Australia, countries in Asia, Europe. Uh, He's been to India, which where he actually spent some time in the um, yogic yogic, um, ashrams, uh, monasteries, and and, uh, explored Buddhism and just really explore explore the uh, traditions of yoga. So he has a very strong background in that. He actually took a a teacher's training in yoga uh, back about 10 years ago. He is currently married. He's done a lot of personal development, a lot of spiritual exploration, if you will, traveling and really just experiencing, getting new perspectives on life. Um, That has helped him have new levels of appreciation and awareness for just the small everyday things and really making the most out of himself and through his yoga and breathing techniques and things that he has done and explored as along with exploring different forms of fitness, like gymnastics, martial arts, he's really just learned how to um, master the mind and body really working on that journey and just becoming the greatest version of himself through these explorations uh he's recently started up a coffee roasting shop a local one and is doing some work in the local community to uh make it more appealing despite these challenging times we're in and so jared welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me brendan it's a pleasure i enjoyed some of your past podcasts so i'm stoked to be here and just talk about wellness and yoga and uh you know, everything, everything else, cold water dipping. Yeah. Yep. I look forward to this. 
for sure. So what are uh, you most grateful for right now? Uh, right now, I'm really grateful uh, for my wife, uh, for my family, just living in this beautiful town of Smith Falls and having a, you know, a roof over my head and a spot that I can continue to practice and a river close by to dip in as well. <laughs> Those are a couple of things. So what inspires you right now? Um, I, I take inspiration from a lot of different uh, people and, uh, and books and, and things like that, different topics. Uh, but I guess I get um, some inspiration from, from, my, from my yoga tradition, from my guru, uh, my spiritual family, which is very supportive. And then my own, my own personal family as well. And just trying to, you know, get better every day, uh, bit by bit, you know, working on little things here and there. And, uh, you know, that's kind of inspiring to me to know that in this human condition that every day you put forward a good effort, usually uh, that uh, bears fruit. So I just try and take that in mind, take things step by step, day by day. That sounds very inspiring itself. So what are uh, some facts about yourself? A quirk, a superpower, something maybe others yeah. don't know about you. Um, yeah, I, uh, I can, uh, <laughs> here's one strange one. I can move my tongue around in weird ways. <laughs> it's usually something I can turn it sideways. I can touch my uvula with my tongue. Uh, that's a really funny, quirky thing. Uh, you know, make a circle and uh, things like that. But um, I'm pretty good at doing tough stuff with my body and, uh, and putting myself out there in that way. Like long distance running and uh, cold water dipping, uh, doing yoga postures, doing breathing exercises, you know, things like that. Uh, something that you know, appeals to me and something I'm naturally inclined to. I, I love reading and I love learning things like that, but I, uh, I definitely enjoy, you know, the embodied experience and things that, 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 you know, with uh, the body and mind, I think that's why I was so attracted to yoga in the beginning because of, um, uh, it was really difficult for me. Like I, I was not flexible at all when I began in my early twenties. And then, uh, as I kept going, you know, it's uh, even though it was tough, you know, you got better and better. So, you know, circling back, it was, it was inspiring. So continuing on. So that's something kind of about me is that I just, uh, I love kind of pushing myself. And I guess that's the, the perseverance is something that uh, I take a little bit of pride in, uh, you know, the stick to itiveness. Honestly, there's a lot of things that I'm not like super good at, but I really stick to it. And my, uh, experience with guitar and banjo and, and singing really shows that like I love playing instruments I love singing but you know I'm not very good at getting in those three-part harmonies or uh, you know my rhythm isn't perfect but I just I love it anyway so there's perseverance there and I think that's a, a really nice quality I should keep trying to cultivate I totally agree perseverance and persistence determination uh, quite a few words for it. I can totally resonate with that because it's kind of like what my journey has been like with certain things that I've grown up felt not good at. 
And it is that level of, of th this inner drive that makes you just keep going despite others who might be better than you at it. You're just running your own race. And I feel like that you actually come out on top. I mean, not that you beat anyone, but you're just, there's more fulfillment and enjoyment in that pursuit of going through the, you know, the pain, the struggles, but it's, it's, it's because you desire it so much and you just keep persisting and it's so rewarding, right. To accomplish something and even just seeing progress, right. There's a lot of people that have studied in this field of human performance and they talk about, um, you know, skill, how perseverance trumps skill right. in the long run. Like you yeah. can have the most talented people in the world that are naturally gifted in something, but they might not use it to the max. And then you have someone who goes about developing that skill, that talent, and it becomes absolutely um, incredible and, and more rewarding and, and, and self-fulfilling. So yeah, that, that's, I, I believe that's one, obviously one big quality that you possess, you know, that I can, I can sense in you already. So we're going to kick it off though, with uh, the session into, we'll start off with just share about your journey uh, growing up um, as a kid, like where, mm -hmm. where sure. did you come from? Um, you know, maybe from a material, but also, you know, uh, where was your mindset then? What drove you to explore the world like you did, what you were doing? I know you um, mentioned you were planting trees. And, you know, what drove you to do those things? How did you get into them? Your journey um, into the yoga and all these other wellness practices, so just share about that. So I grew up in Smith Falls, Ontario, and uh, I always loved sports, you know, uh, as a kid and playing with my brothers, uh, you know, hockey and basketball and, uh, you know, went to high school and I had a pretty typical high school experience, um, you know, just continued to play sports um, and, you know, doing that high school thing, not really, succeeding too well in the academics but I was always smart enough to get by so um, I ended up going to Carleton after high school and that's where I met my future wife and um, I was studying history and philosophy and for me though I really wasn't I don't think I was ready to go to university quite yet I um, I struggled a lot in my first year and then uh, by the time I was in my second year I was on academic probation and then by the third year academic suspension so I ended up um, leaving Carleton and so it was around that time uh, in the second and third year that I started to get really interested in uh, Buddhism and yoga uh, yoga so my mother gave me a book by uh, Iyengar the light on yoga and so I thought that was really interesting and she also gave me a book by the Dalai Lama uh, called uh, how to see yourself as you truly are. And the cool thing uh, about uh, that book was a nice introduction to some of the ideas of Tibetan Buddhism, but the idea of the like 
the lack of identity within ourselves and how that is constructed, it just kind of blew my mind. And so then that kind of led me on to, to look into more Zen and to be interested in that psychology of, of Buddhism and then the practice of uh, sitting meditation of Zazen. So I started to read more books like uh, books from Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, the two different Suzuki's, um, DT Suzuki and I think it's Shinro Suzuki. I'm probably messed up that pronunciation, but uh, so really into Zen. And so my girlfriend, Josie, finished up her degree with honors. And then after that, we decided to uh, go traveling because we just wanted to see the world and uh, explore some of these um, places and these traditions that I was reading about. And we started off in Australia and we were there for about a year living as hippies. And that's where I started to grow my dreadlocks and, uh, and volunteering at different places, uh, working at a, uh, a bar as a barista. So I started my love of coffee in Australia as well. And then from there, uh, after a tree planting season in Australia, we went to Bali and started our about a year travel in Southeast Asia. And so then my love of Buddhism and yoga started to deepen even more because when you're in a culture, it's so much easier to learn about the, the different traditions in that culture. And you see the people and uh, it, it's, it's, it's really special and it's easy to learn. So we visited some Theravada Buddhist sites in, in, uh, in Thailand and then, you know, some of the ancient sites in Angkor Wat and, and some of the Zen sites in, uh, in Vietnam. And then from there, we went over to India and into Calcutta and Darjeeling, uh, and then all across the north, checking out some other, uh, those typical touristy sites in India. But the cool thing about India is that it's, it was such a radical, radically different culture. And uh, there's, of course, there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of wealth. And it's all kind of like, it's there. It's all on top of you. And so as, as we were around 20, three, 24 at that time, it was a huge culture shock. And uh, we really didn't know what to make of it. And looking back, I didn't know that I was living in that culture shock. But um, when I came back home, we both kind of went through some stuff. And, uh, you know, it was tough, but I always wanted to go back to India. So we came back and uh, Josie started to do a, a master's program in Guelph. And uh, I moved there as well. And that's where I started to do my first teacher training. Uh, in yoga so I could start to deepen my practice and I was going to like every yoga studio in Guelph to the to the Bikram yoga studio I don't support Bikram he's kind of a he's a very I was leave it there um, and uh, you know the other hot yoga studios and I found some really great teachers at this one studio called Sukha Yoga and these women uh, who were running it were just absolutely spectacular uh, Kristen Honey and was was one of them and uh so i took that practice and and uh and then entered into a kripala yoga um, teacher training and that's where i heard about who swami kripalu Vanandaji was and i started reading deeper about his teaching so he was a a yogi and he passed away in the 80s uh and he came to the u.s to do some teaching in uh the late 70s early 80s and he had started a, his own sort of tradition from uh, 
uh, out of Gujarat. And so the more that I learned about Swami Kripalu, I was very, very fascinated with him. And I was fascinated with his aspects, uh, the way that he taught yoga. So I did the yoga teacher training and I started reading about Swami Kripalu and um, I, I wanted to know more. And I visited the American uh, Kripalu sort of uh, wellness center. And that was cool, but I, I wanted to, you know, I just kind of wanted to experience what yoga was like for Indians. You know, what is, what is yoga like, you know, at the source of it? And uh, so that's what really pushed me uh, part of it to, to go back to India. And so after Josie had finished her master's, um, the, uh, she, <laughs> she reluctantly uh, came to India with me to look for one of Swami Kripalu's living disciples, Swami Rajarshi Muni. So we, uh, we got on a plane and we flew to Gujarat uh, and we stayed uh, at, a, at an ashram in this place, uh, one of Swami uh, Rajarshi Muni's ashrams. And uh, that's where I started reading more about him. And then uh, we got to meet him uh, a little bit later on, uh, about a week later. Uh, so we traveled to Malav. And that's where the Swami Kripalu or the Kripalu ashram was. And that's where Rajarshi Muni was living at that time. And I started, uh, it was, a, I really remember it vividly because when I got there, it was, it, you know, there was a lot of spiritual fervor in the air because Muniji will come out on the balcony and he gives darshan and he gives everyone blessings and the whole town uh, would come uh, for that morning. So like a couple hundred people every morning, it's a small village. And, uh, and so there's always a buzz. And so you could definitely feel that in the air. Uh, it's a really cool place. And so once I saw Muniji, uh, we got to talk to him for about an hour and I got to ask him questions about yoga. And it became uh, clear pretty quick uh, that I didn't really know too much about yoga. <laughs> and, um, but he said, if you wanna learn more, then I know I started, I, I just founded a university and you should take these university courses. And so I thought, I thought about it for about two weeks and Josie was, you know, supporting me the whole way saying, yeah, if you want to do this, you can, we should do this. And so then uh, that winter, I began my uh, university studies at the Lakulish Yoga University. And that um, continued on for uh, four years over the winters. Uh, and so I would tree plant in the summers and then travel back to India and live there for about five or six months at a time, learning yoga and uh, practicing. My degree, though, was in uh, more of in the, uh, the literature side of the, the yogic studies. So um, as opposed to the Ashtanga side, which was, you know, the Eightfold Path and uh, uh, the more physical posture. So the universe, they had these two streams, the Ashtanga and what they call the Karma Gyan Bhakti stream. So I was in the Karma Gyan Bhakti stream. And so we learned about things like the Mahabharat and uh, of course the Bhagavad Gita in there, uh, learned about the, the philosophies of yoga, the Shad Darshan. So those are the six major philosophies in, um, in Hinduism. You know, we have Vedanta and uh, Sankhya, the yoga philosophy, uh, Mamamsa and uh, Vishayshika and these, these different uh, aspects or these different ways of, of viewing the world, you know, from the, uh, uh, from the Indian point of view. 
and it, it was a fantastic course and it was really cool because I was one of the only foreigners there um, and in a lot of cases I had one-on-one -on -one time to study with my teachers and uh, spent a lot of time with one teacher Swami Satyananda who's now passed away and spent a lot of time with um, Swami Rajarshi Muni uh, at, at night doing what he call walk and talk where you just ask the guru questions about yoga and uh, you know he renounced the world and took up practice of sadhana very seriously when he was 40 and now uh, he's over 90 so you know he had a very serious practice you would practice eight nine hours a day of yoga and um, yeah so I take his his uh, perspective on yoga very seriously and uh, you can see it in the books he's, he, the books that he's written it's it's really amazing it's a it's a fresh perspective um, on a very classical classical uh, art so that's a kind of in brief you know my journey going from you know, learning about Buddhism uh, and, and yoga and then going to yoga university uh, for a few years and then after I finished my degree um, Josie and I decided we wanted to uh, do something different and she had just had about a year left in her uh, PhD at this time so we decided to buy a house in Smith Falls Ontario and move back to my hometown and that's where I started teaching yoga here and uh, and then also opened up the uh, the, the roastery as well to uh, have a livelihood which supports my my yoga practice and yoga teaching as well so that's the bit of the short of it yeah that is a quite an incredible journey i mean so you discovered your love for coffee when you were traveling you explored into the depths of yoga and zen buddhism and i know uh traditionally yoga coming uh Traditionally from India, it's a world of difference there, right? It's like, mm. it, and yeah. the, it's what we get here in, in the westernized culture is it's very, it's filtered down, right? It's like, because it, it, it carries, it has to carry over um, to a different continent. And by the time it gets to us, it's like, it's, it's, it's diluted a bit. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a lot Absolutely. of food that we get in our grocery stores. But yoga, mm -hmm. I think, is one of the biggest things that does get diluted um, in a way mm -hmm. because, you know, we like to flavor it our way, just like we would our food and make it different. Yeah. You know what I mean? We do that with yeah. different cultures, um, like Indian food, Chinese food, and all these great things. Um, but you're getting, like, the true, like, the more the roots of where yoga is coming from and it's it's evident that you experienced like a new perspective on it um yeah. so just yeah. share a quickly about like how how diff the difference the main differences from there yeah. and, and here yeah uh well definitely over there it's it's more of a tradition of love like the bhakti tradition that's the the commonality you know when i was living at the ashram it, not a lot of people were doing postures you know the they do have teachers like they had a school there and they you know the kids would do postures and things like that and there were a few teachers who were teaching older people but generally people you know their day looked like you know they would go to the temple uh you know, have some tea and talk and go get darshan from Guruji and, and read some, 
you know, spiritual texts and things like that. And, and then in the evening, sing bhajans uh, uh, and, and kirtan, so devotional music. So yeah, when I was over there, it wasn't, you know, yoga was a, a bit different. And uh, it was cool to be in that environment and to, and to experience that from, uh, from the Indian perspective. Um, you know, when I first visited Rajarshi Muni, I, he, I said, how do I, how do I practice yoga? Like, what should, what do you, what do you recommend that I do? You know, cause I want to start from the ground up. And he said, the yams and niyams, you know, the, the, the foundation of Ashtanga yoga, those, those moral observances like uh, truth and, and nonviolence and brahmacharya sexual continence, um, things like that. Like these things are very important. And maybe those things, you know, when we, in our culture, it was very much posture related, you know, everything's about the postures and even breath work wasn't very big, you know, like 10 years ago. And now breath work is and pranayam breath work's getting really big. So that was a, it was definitely, you know, eye opening and, you know, like these ancient texts that I was studying, that's the ancient aspect of yoga. There's a really good book called the yoga body by Mark Singleton. And it kind of shows how, how yoga has progressed and how postural yoga is really kind of a newer in the past, like hundred years, a, a new thing. So these gurus who were trying to claim that they have uh, an ancient connection, you know, with their, uh, you know, with their, their yoga system, you know, a lot of it was falsified and, you know, so we were kind of living a uh, kind of a yoga pipe dream, I think uh, for, for many years, you know, putting our faith into some of these gurus who, we're not very faithful at all. And the stories are, you know, dime a dozen of these guys, um, you know, how much power they get. And there's a few good ones out there, but it's a, it is, it is tough to, to navigate uh, in yoga. So that's, that's another reason why I wanted to, you know, go over there and maybe find something a little more closer to the source, someone who's not trying to sell me something, you know, I think there, there's a nice saying it's watch what they say and then watch what they sell. And, there's one thing that um, my teacher, Rajarshi Muni, he wasn't really trying to sell me anything. He was like, you can do this university course. And it was very fair priced, <laughs> you know, and the accommodation was very, uh, you know, it was low. It was, it was, but it was, you know, good for sadhana. Like I had food and I had, uh, I had the support of the community. So that's really all you need. And so that's kind of what kept me coming back. Uh he, he didn't, uh, the community itself didn't pressure me to give money. They didn't try and, you know, take anything. It was, it was just a lot of love and support. And yeah, there were hard times too. It, it wasn't perfect, but, um, but it was really, it was really cool. So, you know, those are the big differences that I saw and, and something that I wanted to, uh, to embody in my practice is, you know, a little more of that foundational knowledge uh, of yoga. And so I think that uh, I got a good foundation when I was there. And now I'm able to come back here and talk to people who want to listen and, and talk about those, uh, you know, the stories in the Ramayana, talk about Hanuman and, uh, and integrate some of those things into our, into our classes uh, that, that have a connection to the, uh, the Indian uh, at the heritage, which is, I think it's, it's a really cool, really cool thing. Yeah, that's really incredible. Like I can really see how the, um, the whole motive behind yoga and teaching it can be very different uh, in the Western world compared to the Eastern, because we have a lot of this desire to be more famous or very uh, wealthy and successful. 
yep. teaching what we love. And that can actually, you know, it can steer us down the wrong path or steer others uh, wrong when, you know, if, if you're being taught by someone like that who has that driver, if you're someone like that too, it's very easy to get caught up in these cultural influences. And, you know, if you go on the path of just for, for, for the success in worldly terms, um, it, it, it can really lead you astray from the true essence of yoga and actually getting that internal fulfillment that you're, that you're supposed to get from it and not, not just, not just the accolades or the fame or, you know, the glory of, of just teaching a bunch of people. Um, it's about, it's a way of life. Yoga is just a way of, it's a truly a way of life. It's not something you just do in a class. It's something you carry out into the world with you. It's like, you can, you do yoga. It's not just postures and movements. Like you said, like there's mm-hmm. so much more to it. It's just the way you live. And it's, it's a real mm-hmm. philosophy on your, on life. And when you learn to live it, you know, and, and it's not like you have to, you know, be, be in, in, in robes or, 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 you know, no. yoga pants and stuff like that no. and, and meditate all day. Like, it's about living in the real world and, and actually becoming more resilient towards and, and helping you navigate towards the world better. Um, not letting, not letting the external environment, you know, um, dictate your level of happiness and well-being and, and, and things like that. And, and just being able to manage yourself internally, but also using your, your outside world more resourcefully. Like I learned this, you mm-hmm. know, a lot. I was, I think I was, I lucked out a lot with Dan, um, who I actually had on the show, who, who runs the yoga studio. He taught us in um, traditional uh, Sivananda style uh, yoga, which is very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, Swami well, Sivananda. I didn't, I didn't mention, I also did, I did a 500 hour teacher training when I was in, uh, in Dharmasala, which was a Shivananda, under a Shivananda teacher. So I got a little bit of that tradition too, which is cool. So I kind of, I understand that, that, uh, that bit of it as well. Sorry to cut you off. Hey, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you, you obviously know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, um, it was very traditional, like the way it was delivered and, you know, it was good to get the whole essence of yoga and really just go way beyond the postures and movements and, and breath work mm-hmm. was, was a high priority. Um, even the Wim Hof stuff, like which is more modern it's it's a more modern uh, thing now which Wim Hof yep. does um learned his breathing and 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 we did a lot of cold water immersions too like we had, I remember <laughs> yep. we filled up this tub of freezing water and and you know we we'd have the chance to go in it and and that was an incredible experience for a lot of people really yeah uh, really just getting out of the comfort zones and a lot of things came up for people and that it's, it's, it's incredible when you get a, a group of people together and, and you are immersed. Um, thankfully, you know, they were like 10 or 12 hour days uh, to like Monday or sun, Saturday and Sunday. And then, you know, you get the week to, to live your life and then you come back. And mm-hmm. so that was really cool. But yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's share, one thing about, yeah. about the breath work, I think, I think is important too, because um, you know, that's, it's big over there. And uh uh, in the tradition that I was in, that's what I mean by over there. And one thing that my teacher specifically recommended for me to do was on a loam balone practice, which is the alternate nostril breathing with breath retention. And 
uh, I think, you know, just for listeners, I think if like one practice that I would recommend uh, would be, you know, I love the Wim Hof practice and I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And it actually pairs up really well with the Analom Balom. And that's, uh, you know, taking a breath in through the left and uh, breathing out to the right and then in through the right and out through the left and, and holding in between and trying to relax your body. And uh, so that practice, I practice for, you know, four or five years, very regularly, every, every day, twice a day, and uh, was able to increase uh, my CO2 uh, levels, like it, my ability to, to handle CO2 levels. So, you know, for people who are starting yoga, I would recommend, yeah, that the Wim Hof breath work and Anilom Balom. And then that's, you know, in some yoga traditions, they, they say that uh, you do the postures first and then do breath work after, like they're very strict on that. But uh, I don't believe in that myself. I think it's important to start with, learn how to breathe first and then, you know, make more and more complex postures after that, and then integrate the breathing into the postures, integrate those breath holds into the postures uh, for Kumbox, uh, the internal retention, external retention, and that's super powerful. So, I mean, that's a, that's a love of, of mine is, uh, is the breath work. And I just, uh, I love the Wim Hof breath work practice and I love on a Lombalom breath work. It's, it's a real benefit. So I would encourage anyone to, you know, give those a shot for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I really love is going to the yoga studio for hot, Hatha yoga sessions. That was, I loved that. And unfortunately I have, we haven't been able to do that for like the last mm -hmm. year. I think I was able to get in there a few times over the last year when it did open up for a bit, but uh, with the lockdowns, um, it's just not accessible. But that's mm -hmm. something that I really enjoy, especially when it's very cold here in Ontario. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just go into that hot room and, you know, you don't, have, you don't even have to move. But when you move, it's just like, yeah, it, it feels really amazing. Like you're tired, but you're, you feel rejuvenated afterwards. And it's, it's just such a beautiful thing to, to yeah, do. It got me, yeah. yeah, got me into yoga. Part of it was, you know, doing the postures and then the next day feeling good as opposed to like the next day feeling like my body was broken, you know, like I kept, uh, you know, my body felt good and it, it kept getting better. And I think that's also uh, a marker of a good yoga practice. If you feel good after you do it and then the next day, if you're, you know, so sore that you can't even move, you need to back it off a bit, you know, like uh, there's a lot of old teachers who were, you know, you know, practice like seven or no, like three, four hours a day of, of postures. And, uh, and you see how, you know, the effects of that, like long, long-term Ashtanga practitioners, it just, it's so hard on their body. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, Hatha yoga is the yoga, you know, some definitions are, you know, Hatha means sun and moon, you know, and that connection. And another, another definition is forceful, you know, that the yoga of force. Um, but I, I like to say that, it's kind of like a, an intelligent force or a, a gentle force, if you will. And you have to connect to that uh, when you're doing postures, when you're doing breath work, when you're doing your meditations, it's, you kind of got to balance that intention, but also the creativity and the intuitiveness and, you know, hopefully try and tap into more of that creative because uh, that makes it even more interesting. It opens up more gateways in your practice as opposed to being, uh, rigid, but there is a place for structure, you know, at the same time. So it's, uh, it's, it's a delicate balance uh, in a yoga practice, but it's, it should always be, you know, you know, we do, we are working with an ego, 
you know so let's put it towards something good and uh, let's let's strengthen that ego up so we can tear it down absolutely and that's one thing i like about yoga is developing your your intuition and sense to to um read those signs so you have this you recognize this in, inner intelligence within you and it's just like you know something you don't need um you know because we're a lot of people love the the stimulation the external um stimuli the music you know the mirrors the images and all that stuff mm -hmm. and it can kind of get in the way of the intuition at times so it is about yep. moderating that and 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 it just opens up this door of just you know this infinite intelligence you know that we do have um, to connect with this higher power god the universe yeah yeah the energy the the pran the prana uh, uh within ourselves trying to connect with that and, and allowing that to be uh our guide i think is an intrinsic part of uh, a lot a sustainable yoga practice and a successful one mm -hmm. yeah so uh share with us uh jared uh you've been doing these cold water immersions kind of, kind of regularly now yeah. you know over the winter so just share about that like what your routine is like and you know just uh how you got started in that yeah well, uh i'm definitely a noob a newbie in comparison uh to some of the people who've been doing it for a long time so i started getting really into the wim hof breathing technique uh and cold water uh, last march at the first lockdown um because like I had heard about Wim, I had a, a pal who was a, a tree planter with me and he was doing Wim Hof stuff like five or six years ago and he was doing cold dips and you know, we do some cold dips too, but I was so into my yoga practice. I didn't really want to investigate another teacher at that time. But um, when we got into the lockdown, I, I, you know, the Wim Hof stuff was getting popular and I gave it a go and then I really enjoyed the practice. So I kept at it. And so, I started doing some cold dips down by the river and then um, over the summer doing some cold showers and I've just kind of kept that up. And like for today, for example, I did a five minute cold shower and it's pretty cold now uh, in January and that's, it's, it's intense <laughs> for me. And I, you know, sitting outside uh, occasionally for 20 minutes or going for a walk with a little less clothing on um, and just kind of being one trying to be one with the body and feeling the cold and and breathing nice and deep so i'm getting into it's it's definitely part of my regular practice but it's only really been for not even a year since uh since i've been doing this stuff um but i i feel like it's made a difference for sure uh, like when I started doing the cold water dips, I had some low back pain that cleared right up and uh, it really hasn't come back since. And I also felt like I had more energy as well. So I, I felt better, you know, embracing the cold and I also enjoy a challenge. So I've just been, you know, keeping up with it and uh, trying to have, uh, you know, a, a cold dip at least, you know, once or twice a week. I was in uh on thursday on the river but the the basin here they dropped it again so uh to submerge yourself you've got to get right down and prone <laughs> right down in the river and it's you know for me i don't need to stay in that the river for too long it's you know two three minutes and 
that's all I can really handle because it is rushing water. So it's a little bit more intense than just still water. Um, but uh, just kind of like working and just circling back to the, you know, the intelligence uh, of yoga, trying to, to be intelligent with how I do it and not trying to rush it too far, not trying to like be the, you know, the ice man, you know, that stuff eventually it, it does come. But the whole point for me is just to try and, um, you know, stick with something and, uh, and work and work with it and improve on it. Well, that's the thing, right? It's, it's about the, the benefits that you get and that you experience. And, mm-hmm. and there's a whole list of, you know, proven data and evidence out there now research showing the benefits of this stuff. And, and, yep. uh, you know, a lot of it, it's, some of it is, is still questionable, but when, when you can just go in, like say for a couple minutes and you get that, you know, you get that sweet spot and that's all you need. Like you say, if, if you, if, if you had to stay in there for 10 minutes or longer, uh, which I don't think is necessary for anybody, but like, if that was a case for you, then it's like, well, it just takes you longer. You know what I mean? To get that effect. So it's like the person who's can just be in there for two minutes and, and hit their threshold is better off. I mean, if time's yeah. an issue for people. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Like, I tell people who, you know, people say, oh, I'm, I'm not flexible at all. I can't do yoga. Like, well, actually, yeah, like everyone can do yoga, but you have, <laughs> you have the benefit of not being able to do, like, you don't have to go too far into the stretch, you know, to feel your body. And you, you have, you know, that's, that's an advantage in, in some ways to be unflexible. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that too. Uh, but there also is the other side, like the more that you do it, the more the benefits uh, increase. And I don't know if there's a science on this. I've seen some stuff with yoga postures. Um, but like the more you do the yoga posture, the, the greater the benefit becomes over the years. So like a 30 year practitioner of yoga gets a little more out of that cobra pose than the person who's never done it before, uh, just because they continue on. Um, that was in a book, uh, I think it was William broad called the the science of yoga uh, it came out a few years ago there's some studies in that it was a, it was a pretty good book a bit controversial at the time but yeah mm-hmm. it, it is interesting to to note too about these medical studies that there have been a lot of claims about yoga yogic uh, postures and, and yogic practices that have been unfounded and it's cool to see uh new scientific studies coming out to help kind of bring that stuff together and see like what is fact what is fiction and how we can move forward from that um so i i embrace a lot of those scientific studies and uh and, and try and understand that I mean, through my my layman's uh eyes but yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's just incredible where the origins of yoga and and the ancient uh yogis of India that were practicing this, you know, 5,000 years ago, that it's like they intuitively knew all these things. And, you know, like, it's just amazing how thousands of years later, now modern science is just providing the evidence, the science of yoga, why it works. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, they were doing this all, you know, they didn't need to wait for science. It's just like, they were the prototype and they just, and that's what I really like. It's, it's like, it's almost like they're defying science by, by doing it. And then, you know, it's just, 
so it's it's really cool to see Eastern philosophy and modern science uh, of West working more together, which is which is very awesome. So um, mm -hmm. just uh, share a little bit about, uh, I know you're quite a health nut and into healthy eating and, and, and those things. Like as far as your uh, nutrition goes, is there anything um, that you do consistently for your health and, and benefits? Um, I, experimentation is a huge thing just over the years. Um, you know, experimented be with vegetarianism for, you know, many years and then kind of got off vegetarianism and then got back on. And now I eat a lot of vegetarian stuff, but I, I do eat some meat and, uh, although I don't eat beef, but so that's a, that's a big thing is just kind of seeing what has worked for my body. And right now for the past few months, I've been experimenting with intermittent fasting and that's been really beneficial for me. So usually I don't eat before uh, six or seven and then have a meal. And then, uh, and that's it, just have that short window. Uh, sometimes I, you know, depending on how I feel, I'm not, I don't stick to it too intensely. I'll have like a, a piece of toast in the morning. My wife makes sourdough bread. So it's, you know, really nice. We make a lot of stuff from scratch at home. So just try and eat um, stuff that I make. You know, if you can make it yourself, um, then you can probably, you know, you know, you can eat a lot of it and, uh, but it's, it's just, it's the process stuff that I try and stay away from. Uh, so I think, yeah, that's, that's a big thing, you know, in yoga, uh, especially in my tradition, they, there's a, one of the minor, I think it's a minor niyam is mitahar, which is the, uh, observance of your, of your diet and eating and trying to eat just a little less. And there's a really common yogic saying that you should feel, there's a couple ones I've seen, but you should fill your belly with one third food, one third liquid, and then one third air. And sometimes they do it in quarters uh, as well. But yeah, just having like, just being comfortable with being hungry, I think is important. Just like being comfortable while you're cold is important. And, you know, think of being comfortable in uncomfortable situations makes you strong, makes you a stronger person. And, you know, so that's something that I, I try and take into my diet as well. You know, I, but some people have, uh, you know, different uh, constitutions. So, you know, for some other people, intermittent fasting might not work. It's not great for my wife, so she doesn't do it. So that's why experimentation is the, is the real thing that I would really recommend something that I've, I, I try and take with, uh, with my diet, a lot of things. I think it is important to experiment because you can read all this, the research and studies out there and follow the popular health trends and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. it, it really does come down to perf personal, um, you know, experimentation and, and, and understanding what your needs or maybe issues might be that uh, you have to customize to. And yeah. so, yeah, it's very, it's very important for that as well. I mean, I've experienced the benefits myself of, intermittent fasting, um, which was, you know, it's, I would have thought was crazy a few years ago because I, I grew up, you know, eat breakfast at, you know, mm -hmm. this time of day and then lunch this time of day. And it's just like, well, you know, where did that idea come from? And you yeah. read more of the science and research of the benefits of why it works, not just from a health, uh, but a spiritual standpoint, it just goes so much deeper. And so, yeah, it's fasting is one thing I've incorporated into my health regime myself. And I, I, I love it. Um, 
you know, I'll go a day a week with not eating until dinner. And it's, it's great. It's great. And it sounds like you're really sticking to your thing as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's a, it's, yeah, it's funny. Uh, that's what Swami Kripalu, he recommended, you know, on Thursdays, Thursdays is Guruvar that uh, you fast. So in India, fasting looks different <laughs> for, you know, it, it ranges from like no food, water fast, to only eating one meal fast, to only eating fruits fast, to only, you know, eating, uh, they have other type of fasting food, which is, you know, only, uh, I think it's like only roots, you know, so you can only eat this certain type of thing, but there's still a lot of food. So, you know, there's different levels of fasting, but yeah, check, check them all out, see what, see what works for you. But there's no doubt that when you have a little less food in your belly, like if you're trying to meditate or if you're doing yoga, and if you're especially doing breath work, you just can't do breath work with a full belly. It's just, it's not possible. You'll end up, if you, if you really push yourself, you'll, you'll probably just throw up. <laughs> so don't, don't recommend that. Yeah. So it's always easy to do that stuff fast and mm -hmm. <laughs> get it done yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> then eat later. And then I find it's more pleasurable to eat later. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just share quickly about uh, your coffee uh, brewery that you, you started getting into. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was, uh, I think last October uh, I started, you know, I really got into coffee and I thought, well, maybe uh, there might be a, you know, a, a spot for a new business because I was looking at the coffee trends and um, I wanted to have a, a socially responsible business. I wanted to have a right livelihood. And I feel like coffee is one of those things that uh, people have been taking advantage of in this industry for a long time. So if I could start a business where we import or we, where we get our coffee from you know, solid importers and then we roast fresh coffee, then that would be, uh, it would be a great product. So uh, that's what we're trying to do with Mighty Valley Coffee is roast really good coffee from, uh, from good importers who are paying good prices for the beans because so long those coffee farmers have been uh, you know, not paid well enough and it's not, a sustainable, it's not sustainable for their life, their livelihood to, to be paid you know, only like a, a dollar or two per pound of, of coffee. So, so we, I, we, Josie and I started this business and it's going pretty well, going slow to begin with, but you know, there's nothing better than freshly roasted coffee. And uh, there's a lot of health benefits to, to fresh coffee. And I don't drink a, like a ton of coffee, just like a cup or two a day from my espresso machine. But there's a real tangible difference when you have fresh coffee that comes from uh, a farm that's not just trying to produce as much coffee as they possibly can. They're, that comes from a farm where they have good farming techniques. Uh, you know, they've got it's usually shade grown, you know, with other crops like banana in there to help with the diversity. And, and then when they process the coffee, the farmers themselves, they've, they're processing it uh, with, you know, good, good machines. It's clean, you know, cause they're, if they're paid better than the coffee is going to taste better because they've got the time to spend on this, on the subtleties of the coffee. Um, and, about 20 years ago, you know, the, this whole fair trade organic thing was really kicking off. And that's, you know, that's kind of the world that we're living in. Um, but we need to step it up from just coffee being just fair trade organic. It needs to be like, you know, okay, well, 
yes, it's fair trade and organic, but what is the cooperative? How does a cooperative supporting the farmers, you know, even better, you know, coming from a farmer itself? And do we have that direct traceability too? And some of our coffees do have that. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to level up the coffee game a little bit more from the importing standpoint, because we have the ability to communicate with people, you know, in the, in the South who are producing this coffee. So, you know, it's not hidden anymore. So we should try and uh, use that and make those connections to, to, to make a good product. And then from a roasting standpoint, I roast on a small ish machine. It's just a five kilogram drum roaster. And I take a very technical approach where I, uh, I use uh, an open source software, just like a free software called Artisan uh, Profiling Software. So I've got two bean, pro, uh, bean probe in my coffee machine, uh, coffee roaster, and then another probe that checks out the environment. And it gives me live feedback on what's going on inside the roaster and inside the, uh, the beans. So I can make little adjustments as I go with the roaster to, to bring out the best flavors of the bean uh, in real time. Because it's always it's changing with the, the temperature outside affects how the roaster reacts, the, how the, the humidity of the beans themselves, the different types of beans. So without that real time feedback, you're just, you're relying on uh, your information that you're taking down. And then the next roast, you would make that adjustment. But by that time, you might have, uh, you might not get the best out of your bean from from that first roast. So it kind of takes a little bit of the guesswork out with this technical approach and allows me to create some nice profiles and, and then treat these beans that uh, are high quality beans with uh, the best care that I can. That's a bit about Mighty Valley Coffee and we'd have an Instagram page so you can check that out. And we've got some videos on, on some of our stuff in our, in our website, mightyvalley.com as well. That's great. Mightyvalley.com. That's, that's awesome. Or Mighty Valley Coffee. Mightyvalleycoffee.com. Mightyvalleycoffee.com. And yeah. you also do delivery in your area. Yeah, we do deliveries. Uh, we do deliveries in Ottawa on Friday and uh, free local deliveries. And we ship all across Canada. Uh, I've had, I've had uh, orders from Iqaluit, uh, from uh, Yellowknife, from Victoria, BC, <laughs> all over the place. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you know, we started this thing too. Like Josie's finished her PhD now, and she's in international development and uh, and geography. So she's a huge help to the business to help kind of navigate some of the, uh, you know, uh, some of the languaging, and then also help navigate uh, the the sourcing and, and talk to these people who who are uh, importing the coffee. So it's a real partnership between the both of us you know, to try and play in our strengths. Wow, that sounds like a really, it does sound like an exciting adventure and, and getting educated on coffee, where it comes from, it's like a big deal because I know there's a lot of issues. Like you mentioned, there's mm -hmm. you know, child labor. That's, that's you know, it's yeah. been a big issue with, with especially with coffee. Um, and so just knowing where your coffee has come from, how ethically it is sourced, the quality and the freshness, I mean, because that goes such a long way when you take freshly roasted coffee that's you know organic tested for pesticides and, and you, you you know you minimize that stuff like you get the true um, purity of coffee and 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 you know you're getting you're getting more of the antioxidants the health benefits mm -hmm. of coffee with without these negative uh, you know 
the, the, the side effects of coffee, um, you know, conventionally. So that it's very great to have something like what you're doing, especially in a local community. And, you know, um, I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to order some from you because I definitely looking forward to trying this out. So yeah, good um, stuff. absolutely. So uh, just to, we're going to wrap it up here, but um, just to kind of share what, what your message is to the world. If you could sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying, my message, what I'm trying to embody is, is just to, really kind of uh to steal that term from joseph campbell follow your bliss you know uh and look for what you love to do and, and try and embody that and uh don't really be a, don't try not to be afraid of of what other people think uh, of what you're doing do be a weirdo you know dance like no one's watching you sing even though you can't sing and don't be afraid of making mistakes because you're gonna make them you know you're and like i was saying at the start of the podcast it's like I'm not really great at, you know, you know, I'm not amazing at a lot of things, but I just love doing everything anyway. I love trying to get good at something and I have managed to get good at a lot of things. So, you know, just keep, keep on going and, and uh, try and really tap into that intuitive and creative sense and find practices that help nourish that things like uh, yoga uh, in a group setting and in a, in a personal setting um, and things you know, what, you know, you got to find what works for you. And it's, and it's different. That's why yoga is, is so varied. There's just so many different paths and so many different um, modalities. There's a great quote in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna is speaking to his disciple Arjuna. And he's saying, if you, you know, you should do this, but if you can't do this, then do this. And if you can't do that, well then do this. And if you can't do that, do this. So you just, there's just so many paths uh, really they're leading back to the one but you know different strokes for different folks so uh and then yeah so find out what works and then do different stuff too <laughs> and then come back to what you what you used to do that that's worked well for me i love that i love that if if you can't find a way to that it's got to be through under around where there's a will, there's a way. And like you mentioned, it's like, got, got to, you got to dance like no one's watching and, and then sing like you don't need the money. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's got to come from the heart. Um, that's, that's when, that's where the blessings come. Yeah. That's where, yeah. You get really into life when you, uh, when you enjoy it and things are good. And, you know, sometimes life is, is shitty and, uh, and that's, that does happen, but you know, you, you do have to keep going. You got to look on the bright side of it and it's harder for some people than others. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, I'm not saying it's easy, but, uh, it's, it's almost, you know, it's like the classic saying, it's more about, uh, you know, traveling than the destination. Um, so it is just like working at something is really, uh, that's, that's the whole, the fun of it. You know, the great saying karma yoga, you, uh, you have the uh, ability to work, you know, but you don't have the right to the fruits of your labor. Um, so working is, is good, but you have to be detached from what that work will uh, turn out to be because that's not up to you. What's up to you is how you work. And then if you work well, and if you love work, then, you know, then it's good. It's a good life for sure. 
Absolutely. And if you get paid for it and loving it, well, it's just a double bonus, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we're blessed here in Canada for sure that uh, we have a great uh, social support system for a lot of people. I know a lot of people get left behind um, as well, but uh, we are, we are blessed here to have the ability to, to work. Well, it's, it's been a real honor to have you on this show, uh, Jared. So where can people find you? Like if they wanted to search you on, on social media or visit your page. Sure. Yeah. You just check me out. Um, Jared Lee, J-A-R-R-Y-D-L-E-E on Facebook uh, or on Instagram, Jared underscore love. Uh, pretty open to answering questions. And I'm really looking forward to the summer doing some outdoor yoga classes and meeting people. I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert. Um, and so I just love uh, chatting with people. So feel free to reach out and talk about weird breathing, cool dipping, uh, I had a woman who phoned me yesterday inquiring about coffee enemas. We had a great conversation. <laughs> so nothing is off the table. <laughs> yeah, I love that spontaneity. And I look forward to uh, the the weather, the, the spring and the summer that's coming up. Um, and, and just what going through the, the winter, and, and if you really embrace it, you just look so much forward to it. It's just like, ah, yeah. this is so much easier because I just went yeah. through all this hard shit. And, but you do it because you know the benefits that it's giving you. So that's, it's been such an honor to have you on the show. Yeah, it's, and, it's been a um, pleasure for me too. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do a follow-up uh, perhaps later in the year. But um, th- yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, share this, uh, your journey, your insight, your wisdom. And I'm sure a lot of people got inspired, got a lot of value out of this. So um, that is it, everybody. Um, take care. Enjoy the rest of your day, your week. And let's thrive together in 2021.